0: Good morning. So, we probably need to talk about last night. How many of you are experiencing any small sort of depression at all? The rest of you are so immune to any of that frivolous entertainment, right? I want to key in a little bit on... Um, The emotion of probably what you either experienced yourself or you watched others experience. It's interesting how much we've gotten wrapped up into uh, events and entertainment in our culture today. And by no means am I using this right now to uh, tell you how good or bad that is, but I just want you to key into the emotional attachment that you felt or you watched others feel. I'm sure you had people experiencing, you know, great portions of elation or probably times of great anger, right, Um, in the midst of that. But I also want you to dig a little bit further of why. Was there any sense of underneath that emotion, there was a sense of disappointment that a group of people could not function and work together? Uh, Was there any sense of disappointment that this group of people were, were not meeting the expectation or the level of performance that they could have given. I say that because this is how we enter our series about the church. And I wonder if God at times sits back and says, ah, it is so much more than Sunday morning. The potential for the local church is my master plan, and it is... It is this great, mysterious picture of the body of Christ, and yet, they are so underperforming. There's so much more potential there. Now, get me this morning. By no means am I pushing guilt or saying perform better this morning. If anything, this morning, I felt like, okay, the beginning of the season, 2013, our church has been in existence for about 44 years here in Green Bay. What would God be saying the, the morning after uh, uh, of our 44 years together? What, what would He be saying as far as a measure of grading the performance? If our church could be like last night on the TV screen in heaven and saying He was measuring the performance of how we were the church, what would He say? I have to think that, that there might be some Sense of disappointment, or uh, there's, there's just so much more that they don't understand that they could be together. It is with that that we enter into this series. And part of what we wanted to talk about was saying, why is it that the local church in America today is struggling? Why is it the local church today in America finds itself uh, dead in many spaces? Well, we want to talk about that, but really, one way that we can do that is really going through what we we're calling a detox, a church detox. We're stealing a little bit of Craig Rochelle's book, Soul Detox. But any of you done a detox before, a body detox? Anybody done that? You don't want to raise your hand? Those are miserable, right? Those are not fun. I remember uh, a few of us did the, the cayenne pepper, maple syrup. Anybody ever do that one? The salt water thing was disturbing, especially what it did to you. I don't want to be like, descriptive, but we understand what detox is, right? Um, detoxification, kind of in the, in the formal terms, is, is the psychological or medicinal removal of toxic substances from a living organism. Now we probably don't have to get into the, all the, the definition of this, but the, the reality is a, a detox is removing stuff that doesn't belong. And if you were to think about the church in America today, but the church history from Acts chapter 2 when Pentecost happens and the explosion of the Holy Spirit and the life and the body of of Christ and, and the birth of the church, for centuries we've been picking up toxins, if you will. And we've been picking up these parts of the church that really it's time for us to detox, and especially in North America and Western culture, We've picked up awful lot that really, biblically, doesn't belong in what we call the church. And so we felt like we would need to take three to four weeks of saying, let's do a church detox and, and work through some of the language and work through some of the, the ideas and the concepts that we have just have taken on as a form of church. One of the things I really struggle with, and I have to just admit, going to, to the games... And sitting in the stands, I know that there's a lot of in, inappropriate behavior, but I'll tell you what really gets underneath my skin is the idea of someone sitting next to me saying you know, blankety blank, such this, I can't believe they did this, that was stupid, that was a stupid play and all this. I'm thinking, wow, there's an assumption here that this person next to me thinks that they have this great wealth of wisdom <laughs> and that and that these coaches really don't want to win, and that they play video games all week, and they could care less about, you know, $8 million of money that comes into our economy every time there's a game here, as I was just told. And so I wonder if some of you have picked up maybe some things in perspective about church that really you're just not informed on. Now, I love to exposit teach, and I love just to take a passage, but there are times where I feel equally important for us to pull back and to not just stare at the trees in the passages, but pull back and see the context of Scripture as a whole and topically tackle something that I think is very important, and that is this idea of what is the church. And I want to talk about that. Now, in a church detox, Piper says it well. He says, many churches have forgotten why they exist I think that's true. I think a lot of churches today have forgotten what the purpose of the church is. The purpose of the church was not to serve you. The purpose of the church was not to figure out all your preferences and to make it work for you or me. It says namely, it says why they exist, namely to do good deeds in the name of Christ so that people would be moved to give God glory. In other words, the church Its original purpose was to operate in such a way that people pointed and said, something is radically different about that group of people. And it says, namely, to give glory to God. And it says, and when a church forgets that it exists for others and for God, it becomes ingrown and self-satisfied and can go on year after year after year like a social club with a religious veneer. Doesn't that not make you sick? Friends, one of the things that I feel very passionate about, and I said last week, I don't want to be a part of a social club. I know you don't either. This series is not about putting guilt or saying perform better. It really is a detox for us to wring out some of the stuff that we've picked up from whatever church experience or perception you have about religion and faith. But then as a detox will do, it is to restore back what's good. Listen to this, uh, the National Council of Churches, it says in their yearbook, and I thought this was a great statement, it says, if the current decline in the church attendance were the medical case history of a hospital patient, some of you doctors in here, the diagnosis would read chronically ill, resistant to change, on life support, likely terminal. Not, prob- not very good on your chart. I don't, I'm not really familiar with too much of medical charts, but probably not a good prognosis of where you're at. The church itself is is the one institution most in need of the very thing it proclaims in the world, salvation. So in this series, what we want to talk about is, one, removing and wringing out some of the things that we've picked up that just aren't what we're supposed to be about. Detox, remove the toxins. I I would hope that you take out the trash in your home. Otherwise, you're probably on one of those reality shows, right? Right? If you take, you take out the trash, you, you remove what's not good. It does not take long for our bodies to pick up poisons and toxins. Hopefully that your body's in a process of removing those, and that's part of the wonder and the mystery of, of what our bodies can do. But as a church, we need to continually remove things that don't belong. Scripture even talks about certain people that are being divisive to remove them. But also, because that the body of Christ operates in a certain way, it is to restore some of the things that are right and good for the body. And we want to do that in this series also. But lastly, we want to return to our first love. As the writer in Revelation, John will talk about in chapter 3, he'll talk about, you've lost your first love. we want to return back to the practice of what the church is to be about. Now, the first question we want to tackle today is, what is the church? It's a simple question, and some of you think, well, that's an easy one. Not so easy. There's a word, uh, it's called etymology, and it's basically the, the study of words throughout history, and it talks about how words have changed meaning and how they originated and how we've attached different meanings. In fact, we're constantly, as a culture throughout the world, adding new words to the dictionary. It doesn't mean how the word originated, and so we have to go all the way back, and we go back to the source of Scripture, of what is this word that we use, church, and where did it come from? Well, the word church actually sources even in Old Testament; uh, it's it's a Hebrew word, and this Hebrew word actually uh, it's it's more about just a gathering. in its Greek form, ecclesia, it just basically means to cry out, the crier of the city, not crier like sad, but the announcer of the city, to say, there's a meeting. Everybody gather. There is a meeting of of the city, of the people. We're, We're gathering together. It wasn't necessarily designated as a religious gathering. It didn't really matter. It was just an assembly. Now, in fact, you're going to find many interesting notes about this word ecclesia. We have attached so much to it today that we basically define ourselves as the church. And yet in Scripture, there are many other names that uh, define what the body of Christ or what we as Christians that gather together look like. More popular than the church. In fact, the word church describing as the body of believers is only mentioned three times in the Gospels. A couple other facts about the word Ecclesia, which means the assembly or the gathering, basically never does the word refer to a building, place, or program. Let me repeat that. The word church never refers to a building, a place, or a program. How easy is it for us in our culture, where do you go to church? We point. That's the church. And so it's never used as that in fact... It's used twice in Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 19, I love this, as an unruly mob. Maybe that is appropriately used, right? An unruly mob and then once for a lawful assembly. The word church, assembly, ecclesia, is actually used for an unruly mob. And so there was no specific designation as this being the word. In fact, there are no adjectives ever attached to ecclesia as titles to denote a particular denomination, state, or city. So there was never like the first and best Baptist church of Green Bay, you know? And I don't mean it, whether it's Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, wherever you came from, and again, I'm not throwing them under the bus, but there was never this designation that way with a denomination, with an assembly. It was just called ecclesia. So so What happened? Well, over time, you find that the use of the term gets a little bit more popular, and what we start to see is that people started to call Christians certain things. In fact, even the word Christian was a derogatory term named by other people about people that followed Jesus. We're going to call them Christians. And so eventually, as the Christians would start to gather in large groups, they would have an ecclesia, and they said this, this Christian Ecclesia, this Christian assembly, this Christian church. You see how that started to form. There are many terms, though, that are, are referenced in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, about what the church is, really. It was a, defined, a divine assembly, it was a, this holy assembly, this gathering of people together that loved God. It was often called saints, uh, the saints. Members of Christ, the fellowship of the Spirit. That means that it was a gathering of people and a connection of people that had the Spirit in them. There was a spirit life. It was the the believers, they called them. The ones that believed Jesus was who he said he was. This, This is a term that they would reference, this large group of people that love God. Disciples, Christians or brethren. Here's a couple of the passages in Colossians. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people. It's another term. Often you're going to see this throughout the writings in the New Testament. God's chosen people. You'll see it in in 1 Corinthians, to the church of God in Corinth. It's not the Corinth church. It's the church of God in Corinth. In fact, there's this gathering, this ecclesia of Christ followers in this city. But they were sanctified in Christ, and they're called the holy people. In fact, you see the roots of this in the Old Testament. When, when God calls the Israelites out of Egypt, he'll say, I want you to be set apart. And so he moves them to a desert to live very differently in diet, and how they live their lives relationally, and how they worship God. And they were set apart. They were different. When Christ came and died... That we received him in our lives. We were sanctified. That means we were set apart for his use and his purpose. We're a holy people, not because of what we've done. Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit, the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope. When you... It's this called group of people that are around one spirit. You'll see these terms throughout. First Peter. Uh, it says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, chosen by God. Again, there's that chosen phrase. Precious to him, you are like living stones. It's a metaphor that will be used, and Paul will reference it to say that we're these, these stones being built up into a holy people, a place, a temple. But it's, it's referencing us. A spiritual house. 1 Peter two nine says, But you are a chosen people again. Listen to this. Beautiful. A royal priesthood. I mean, we say church, and we say that term lightly and loosely. We point to places. We point to programs. We point to personalities. But the New Testament sense and the, the biblical sense of what God's talking about when he says the gathering of those that love God He's saying our royal priesthood, God's special possession. I'm trying to to detox you a little bit away from just the cultural perspective of the word church and deepen your understanding that the Bible is full with language that deepens our understanding of what it means to be a called possession around one spirit, around one God that worship a holy God that are his His called out ones to be separate. John 8, 31 and 32, we used our whole series to talk about this. It says, if you hold to my teachings, you're my disciples. Another term referencing the body of Christ or the church. Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people. Faithful in Christ. Another term called the faithful ones. Faithful. I'm doing this, and this is only a few, and I could have filled the whole time in just passages after passages about reference to words other than church. Again, only used three times in the Gospels to refer to what is this? What is this? And so our question is, is, is what is the church? Paul is going to use one metaphor that's most Uh, common, and he uses it in Romans and Ephesians. Uh, Peter will use it. It, It's this metaphor of the body. Now, again, the rule on metaphors, the guideline on metaphors in Scripture is, metaphors are meant to describe, not to define. We're going to talk about the church being a body, but it's not a literal body, but Paul will use it to say, I want you to think about your body, and it's the the body of Christ, the church, is kind of like that. And so you have to be careful with metaphors, but they offer for us a deeper perspective to, to describe, but not define. And so Paul will do this beautiful job on defining, not defining, but describing the body of Christ as metaphorically through this picture of our own bodies. So if you have a Bible this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Some people will pass out Bibles, they Bibles on those carts, Um, if anybody's in the room, just pick up a Bible uh, for others. Raise your hand if you need a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll have it on the screen too, Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now again, this metaphor is not uh, just in this passage, it's all throughout. There are other metaphors to describe the church, okay? But I want you to just get a little bit of perspective this morning on this one, and we're going to draw some conclusions with that. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul is going to talk to us here about the body, and he's uh, starting with verse 12. Now, this whole text deals with this, but we're just going to pick up in verse 12. It says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so, is it, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized in one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so one body is not made up of one part, but many. Simple here, Paul's saying, lots of parts. Not one part, but many parts make one body. Okay, we're understanding, we're trying to answer the question, what is the church? Verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. The foot can't just say, I'm not a part because I don't look like a hand. It's still a foot. And it's still a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Is that right? Yeah. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I don't know if that's a typo. Uh, But in the fact, in fact, God has placed the parts, the many parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted us to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there be no division in the body, so that its parts should have equal concern for one another. One part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. I want to draw some conclusions because we find out at the end of this passage, Paul just kind of plasters this verse on there. You're the church. In 1939, World War II in England, they were being invaded by Nazi Germany, and they began these, be calm, um, uh, and kind of carry on in life. And this campaign was supposed to be plastered all throughout London and England because they wanted people just to feel safe and normal. It was a huge campaign that never really hit. It's kind of resurfaced in pop culture. And so we've kind of leveraged this with the crown, but because we serve a different king, we're going to have these up every week. And so the answer to the question of who is the church, well, you're the church. And Paul says it right here. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. So this morning, if there's any confusion about what the church is, it's not me, it's not a staff, it's not a program, it's not a building, it's not a place. You and I are the church. Now this, again, could be just like obvious review for many of you. But I want you to think in a sense of detoxing. Because the concept of the church is something else other than us has caused us to be a very fickle, uncommitted, ununified group of people. What makes us a divine assembly is not because we sit in a room once a week. It should be because of the power of God and how we operate. Paul makes three observations about the body, the church, that I want to just point our attention to. And Help us focus in on this morning about us as the church, because we are the church. The church, in this text, we see has great unity. What does that mean? Paul will talk about the parts of the body. They're connected. There would be a problem this morning if you walked in and all the body parts you had fell off, right? I mean, I told our teaching team I wanted to come up here and have like a sawzall and cut up a mannequin, but... For disturbing reasons, we did not do that. (laughs) But I think the church in America today looks more like a box of parts than it does a functioning body. And why is that? Because we've lost the perspective. The word actually being joined together means fitted together, seamlessly woven together, connected. And so there's this unity, and that means that there's this building up of the body. Friends, you cannot say, and it is a lie to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church, or I'm not a part of the church. That's not true. You are the church. That's why Paul will say, if you say that I'm not a hand, and I'm a foot, and so I'm not a part of the body, that's not true. You're still a part of the body, You just have envy of the hand, and you need to get over it and be your foot. (laughs) Right? Again, the metaphor offers an interesting perspective, because how many people, quote-unquote, they think they leave the church? The body of Christ is to be this unity, this this group of, of people that have been divinely Hold together because of the Spirit and the Christ that we serve, and they they operate together by building one another up. The church is this group of people that are looking for ways to say, "I'm a hand, and I'm going to be a hand, and how can I lend you a hand? I'm a foot, I'm a knee, I'm an elbow. Whatever part you are, you are this person that God has uniquely shaped and created and formed to to be the church, and it's not something that you can sit down nicely in your chairs every week and just point and say church was good this week or bad this week or average this week or it didn't do much for me this week. Because what you're saying is you're pretty average or didn't do it for yourself this week. The church is this, this group of called out ones that have Unity. We feel so disappointed when a group of people on a football field can't find that sense of connectedness to to do your part and do your job. And again, how interesting that we suffer from some of the same struggle of being unified. Paul will also bring out, though, in this text, diversity. He's saying, stop having all this envy about being worship leaders or guitar players or, or speakers. And can I just say... Some of you think you want to do this, you don't. In fact, the scripture says that there's a a stricter judgment for those who are going to teach and I will say I feel called to I love teaching. But I feel the weight and many of you think you want to do that, you don't. So, many of you feet that want to be hands, you don't want to be. I think when we look at the church, we think that we're supposed to be something else, and we compare ourselves to others in the room that have this gift. This is what Paul's struggling with in the New Testament. People are trying to get these great gifts of prophecy, speaking in tongues, healing, all these gifts that look, they're like cool gifts. And we don't rest in the reality of who God's made us and God even says, and as he's inspired Paul to write this, he says some of those parts that you think are less honorable are really important. How many of you have broken a toe before or stubbed a toe? You don't think your toes are worth much, especially when you look at them. They have to be painted, beautified, ladies, right? Because they're just sick parts of your body until you, stub, until you break one, right? Oh, my goodness. This is a pretty important part of me. There's diversity, and that means that we are exercising how we've been called to be the church within the church body. The last part of this is there's a mutuality. What does that mean? It simply means that we are dependent on first the, at God. We're dependent on Christ and Christ alone. We sang that song. If, if anybody's in confusion here this, this, this morning... Christ is the head of the church, not me, not an elder board, not a staff. Christ is the head of the church. We have a plurality of leadership and gifted uh, men and women who play a leadership role in our church, but Christ is who we seek in the church. And because of that, we're dependent on him, but we're also interdependent. I am dependent that you exercise your diverse part of your role in the church. And when you don't function as the hand that you've been called to be, I feel the pain and the suffering. When you are not a part of the body of Christ in in functioning, you're still there but you're just a dead part. If you're you're that left arm and you just said, I'm not going to function except for once a month. Or once in a while, you're this dead, useless arm. I grew up with a friend, his name was Greg, and we used to ride dirt bikes when we were growing up as kids. And I remember he had a major motorcycle accident. Uh, Another guy came off a jump and landed on his shoulder. And so in grade school, his arm was paralyzed. And I used to go to rehab with Greg, and his hope was that it would be restored. But after years of years, and atrophy from his elbow down was just, there was nothing. So much that he had it removed because it, it was in the way of everything. It, it, it limited that. Think about this in the context, this metaphor, in the church here. If you're the church and you're a non-functioning part of the body of Christ, you're probably in the way someone else is probably trying to to, to pick up the weight for you and they're probably now outside of their function and so you have this imbalance. And the other thing I wanted to do instead of, I, I said cut up a mannequin, the other thing I thought would be interesting and really cool to do was put the mannequin back together but all disconjointed in wrong parts. And I think today that might be another picture of the church in our culture is that we have a church that's has limbs and parts in the wrong spot. When we, we're we not dependent and cooperating and working together, we're not being the church. What does this mean, practically? Because really what we want to do is, we want to remove some of the thinking that we have. And Paul says in Romans 12 to to be transformed the renewing of your mind. Let's change the way we think about some things. Let's detox some language and and how we think so that we now we can move towards some new practices about how we should operate and behave and think about how we're supposed to be the church. Can I just clear up one phrase? You don't go to church. When someone asks you, where do you go to church? You could just smile and say, well, I don't. I so, said, Well, I thought you'd go to the church. Well, I gather with a group of believers at a campus off of Cardinal. <laughs> Am I right? Because we, the church is not a building. The church is not a program. The church is not an icon or a logo. The church is not a 501c3. It's not because we have services here that we're now formally a church in the, in the state's eyes, in the federal government's eyes. That's what constitutes church. But go to a third world, they don't, they don't get a tax benefit by giving before December 31st. They don't have to go through all the stuff about being a nonprofit organization. They sit in fields and shacks and they gather. You don't go to church, you gather with other believers. And that constitutes church, that makes us church. you also don't leave the church. I've had people say we we didn't like this or that and we're going to leave the church and I said, "Well, no you're not." They said, "Well, no we are." I go, "No you're not. You're not leaving the church." <laughs> Why? You are the church. You're just leaving a group of people. You're leaving us. The church is us, you are the church, you don't leave church, you, you don't have permission from God's kind of authority saying you are the chosen people, you are the church. Whether you like songs or you don't like how things are painted or you don't like lobby, all that whatever you don't like about church, you don't leave it, you leave people. This is what's so, uh, such a struggle for, I think, in our culture today. We're so fickle because preference has become king. Preference in, in a consumer spirituality about, well, we don't like it there, or this is better for us. Friends, I think we need a little bit more of what James will talk about, endurance and staying power. And that means resting under the weight of adversity in the midst of conflict. This church has gone through its junk. But that's because we are the church and we're people and we all have junk, right? And your leadership is not perfect. And, and, you're, and, and you're not perfect. And so together we try to work together to, to work through those things. Could you imagine being the church in Galatia? And say, I'm out of here. I'm going to walk 50 miles to Ephesus every day. You didn't disassociate that. It's your body. You don't leave the church. You don't go to church. Uh, Let me give you a couple more. You don't become members. Now, this is radical, I know, because we're in a very membership-based culture. Um, You know, a lot of people come over, how do I become a member? I said, well, are you a Christian? Yes, you're a member. (laughs) You're a member of the body of Christ. I mean, really, you are. You are. You have become a member. Now, why is it that our culture has to establish membership? Do you realize some churches have to do it because the bank constitutes that we have a form of membership to get loans? Another way was for exercising church discipline and authority. Said, well, the only way we can say that you have to behave this way is if we can kick you out. And so culture, over, over centuries, we've picked up these things We know we're gonna go through a process of training. We're talking about that. But you're already a member. You're a member of the body of Christ. You are the church. No matter how young, no matter how uneducated you are on biblical matters, if you surrendered your life to the hope of Christ, and you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a member, you're in. Here's the last ones. Buildings are not the church. Buildings, programs, budgets, none of those things are the church you are. So as we meet here as a building, God does not care about, um, let me just say, for instance, a couple. when I first started, we put crosses up. At least uh, these two and then some around. And that was just for our, our response time. But some of you, that's a really big deal. I want you to know, we are not graded in heaven by how many crosses we have in this facility. And it does not make it God's house Less or more. That those are simply things that we love because what? It helps us in tradition and helps us remember. Cathedrals, there are beautiful cathedrals that I have loved to be in and feel a sense of remembering. But God is not concerned with brick and mortar. And buildings are not the definition of church. You are. There are Places in third world where hundreds will be gathering and there will be no facility. And yet God will point and say, What a beautiful set of living stones that I have formed together. Friends, that allows us to look at this facility in a very different way. We have a hundred and seven thousand square feet paid-off facility, and you know what? God's gonna ask is how are we using it? How are we giving it away? It's not about a building, it's not about a program. It's not about how long I preach, even though it says I'm supposed to be done right now. (laughs) The church is you, it's me. It's why last week we said, how about grading yourselves? How about grading one, how about we grade each other about saying, hey listen, how are we loving people? If you relegate that to a staff, then we have a very paralyzed, partially functioning body. The way I want to end this morning is to simply say, so how do you start? How, I, I don't, we're going to break out every week some, some different questions. And so this one is, what is the church? Well, you are. And some of you are thinking, well, what do I do? Well, friends, your Bible's full of ways that the church operated. But, but the, probably the one distinction was they dove in. They dove in. Now, for me, I love fitness. And for years, I grew up around that. My dad, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, was a bodybuilder. Um, one of those guys in the, mm-hmm, and one of those. <laughs> and I remember in Hollywood Gym, sitting on the counter as a kid with a box of donuts, watching all those guys eat. <laughs> Could you imagine the pain and suffering they were going through as I was smiling ear to ear? But I know for me, uh, at my age, to, to stay fit, I have to schedule it. I'm just going to give you a simple principle that I've used is schedule it. I know the victory for me, 90% of me winning in fitness and staying healthy is show up. And if I show up to the gym, it's going to be awkward if I'm not doing anything. So what do I do is I show up and I start to lift. I do my stuff. I'm not that strong when I first go. Some of you just showing up. And you guys, there's so many ways to... And not show up here necessarily, but begin. Begin to operate as the church. If you want opportunities here, there is plenty. You, Danny needs tech people non-stop, stage people, children's. All that stuff is just to get you connected. Not because there's a holy book in the back saying, this is how thou shalt do church. There is nothing telling us we have to do things certain way. What we're told is, Make disciples. So the form and the function and the methodology is, can be radically different. There's nothing sacred except Christ alone, the king. But I know as I go over time, I'll probably find myself getting just, hello, a little bit stronger. Uh, no. And I, and I don't want you to expect that you can all of a sudden just show up to church, or show up, uh, excuse me, I messed that up, didn't I, Uh, show up to a gathering of believers and feel like you've got it all figured out, you're going to have to exercise this over time. So, what about this? You guys are all wondering, am I going to do this one? Come on up, girls, Bobby, come on up, girls and Bobby, come on, girls, Bobby, (laughs) hurry up, girls, I don't got time, I'm already over, what, you're coming up too? You guys go in the middle there. We're going to see if you guys can lift this. So the reason I want to show this picture is, you guys ready? Grab that bar. Is that we are not alone, and we can do this together. So we're going to let go now for you guys to do this. No, I'm just joking. I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. You go through the stage. Give him a hand. Thank you. Thank you. It may be a simple picture to you. But you're not left alone. None of you have to lift this. My call as a pastor of this church is not to do this. I don't have to save Green Bay or you. I'm to do my part. My part starts by showing up. So does yours. And I am amazingly grateful, overwhelmed that Jesus Christ showed up and did his part for you and me. We go to the table today, not in rote tradition, but to remember that the blood and body of Christ, and my question for you is it says in the scripture that we enter into his body and that he becomes a part of us and we a part of him and that we display the glory of Christ. As you take in the cup, ask yourself, are you displaying this wonderful picture of the body of Christ, the church. Father, thank you for this morning. We pray, Lord, as we detox from things that don't belong, God, might you make us more healthy as a local body. In Jesus' name, amen.